Hello, welcome to the FPS podcast series. This is podcast number one. What is DPASS? My name is Todd Heatherly, and I'm the Director of Programming for Federal Publication Seminars, a leader in federal government contracting, training, and professional development for the past 60 years. Every year, Federal Publication Seminars trains thousands of businesses, federal agencies, and individuals on legal, regulatory, compliance, and accounting nuances found in the federal regulations through nationwide classroom, online, and in-house sessions. These podcasts are a small sampling of important content as a contracting professional you can expect from attending an FBS program, whether it's in person, <coughs> online, live, or on demand. Cannot find another source with the breadth and depth of experience, knowledge, and content anywhere. Please visit us at fedpubseminars.com for more information. Joining me today is Stephen Knight. He is a partner with the DC-based law firm Smith Pactor and McWhorter. Steve is a consult has consulted with hundreds of contractors in just about every aspect of federal contracting. He is also a classroom instructor for federal publications, teaching courses such as the Master's Institute in Government Contract Costs. Our topic today is based on a recent client advisory sent out by Steve's law firm on DPASS. The alert can be found under FPS's Contract Resources tab or at smithpactor.com under his, their News and Resources. Welcome, Steve. How are you today? I'm doing well. It's good to be here. Thank you very much, Todd. Well, welcome. Uh, what is the De what is the Defense Production Act of 1950? The Defense Production Act of 1950 was a statute uh, is a statute that has its roots in the First and Second War Powers Act uh, back during World War II. Um, the policy underlying the Defense Production Act think industrial mobilization in order to meet uh, emergencies. So the first and second War Powers Act terminated at the end of World War II, and by the time 1950 had rolled around, the Cold War had started, and uh, uh, there was the invasion of South Korea by North Korea. So the Truman administration and Congress got together and uh, passed uh, the Defense Production Act of 1950. Uh, that act has been reauthorized some 53 times since then, and uh, several of the titles have um, uh, lapsed or, or have terminated, but the priorities and allocations titles uh, are still with us and give the uh, government broad authority in terms of industrial mobilization to meet a, uh, a crisis such as what we're seeing right now. Although the Defense Production Act is termed uh, as a national defense statute, that term is actually broadly defined. It includes military, energy, uh, construction, critical infrastructure, um, homeland security, stockpiling, uh, space, and other related activities. So you can see that uh, together with the definition of emergency preparedness, uh, which has to do with um, uh, hazards upon the uh, civilian population, uh, it, this, uh, when it's invoked, uh, has, uh, it gives the government broad authority and uh, broad power to uh, mobilize industry to meet the emergency. So, so how is the act uh, currently implemented? 
the act has been implemented through uh, the Department of Commerce regulations uh, found at Title 15, Code of Federal Regulations, Section 700. Uh, and there, uh, what you will find is the uh, regulatory uh, requirement uh, regarding establishing uh, priorities and allocations and the method by which the government accomplishes that. Essentially, uh, when it comes to uh, priorities, what we're talking about here is the government's issuance of what are called rated, R-A-T-E-D, rated orders. And these ratings will be designated either DX or DO. And the whole idea is when the government issues a DX or DO rated order to a company, uh, the company must put that order ahead in priority of lower rated or unrated orders. So for example, if you are a manufacturer and the government gives you a DX rated order, uh, you must advance that DX rated order ahead in schedule priority from your either unrated commercial orders or your uh, lower rated DO orders. So it's a priority kind of uh, uh, system uh, for the government to issue these orders uh, to get fast production. Now, the regulations also require for the recipient of that order to uh, arrange its supply chain in order to meet the delivery schedule that is in the DX or DO rated order. Um, and so what that means is that the recipient of the order passes down the uh, rating so that its supply chain must also advance the uh, rated order uh, supply ahead in the uh, pipeline, if you will. Um, now, you may ask, well, uh, gee, this sounds rather overbearing. Uh, do you have to take such an order? The short answer is yes, there are some exceptions, uh, but um, uh, there is a mandatory acceptance by the required delivery date. Uh, and the supplier cannot discriminate by price. That is to say, the supplier cannot say, okay, I'll accept your DX rated order, but you're going to pay twice what folks would normally pay. That uh, would be uh, uh, prohibited. The, uh, there are some grounds for uh, mandatory rejection, which has to be accomplished uh, uh, within 10 or 15 working days of the order, depending upon certain circumstances. Um, there is a mandatory rejection if the recipient is unable to fill the order by the required date, but then the recipient must say what date it can fill the order by. Um, moreover, the uh, recipient cannot accept a delivery date for a lower rated order that would interfere with a higher rated order. There is also something in the regulations called an optional rejection. 
And an optional rejection uh, is in, for example, a case where the person placing the order, the government or the prime contractor, if you will, is unwilling to accept the regularly established terms of sale or payment. That would be one uh, optional rejection ground. Another would be if the order is for an item not supplied or service not performed by the recipient of the order. Uh, so for example, if the government were to issue you, Todd, a DX rated order mm -hmm. for an F-35, uh, you would be able to reject that because you don't normally supply that item or uh, perform that service. There are other grounds for optional rejection, but the point here is uh, these are narrow, they are specific, and there are strict timelines by which the recipient of the order must respond uh, uh, in order to um, uh, perfect its uh, rejection or its acceptance of the rated order. Interesting. Um, now, uh, President Trump has has recently uh, signed some executive orders. Uh, how does that all fit in with this framework of the uh, of the Defense Production Act? It fits squarely within uh, the framework. Um, there are three executive orders, and uh, just for the listening audience, I'm sure everybody remembers these, executive order number 13909, 13910, and 13911, uh, and they were issued on March 18, March 23, and March 27 of this year, uh, respectively. The first one, 13909 delegated to the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary the authority to require performance of contracts on a priority basis and to allocate materials or services or facilities um, uh, to uh, determine the priority and allocation of all uh, medical resources. So here the uh, president is delegating uh, the authority to the HHS secretary to let these contracts, to make these rated orders uh, for the purposes of obtaining medical resources. In 13910, the president delegated to the HHS secretary the authority to prevent hoarding and price gouging regarding health and medical resources. And this is uh, another part of the Defense Production Act, it was um, intended to uh, uh, effect an industry mobilization uh, and to uh, deny the ability of a company to either price gouge uh, or take advantage of the situation by hoarding. And actually, you see that going on right now. The Department of Justice just recently uh, indicated that it is taking possession of uh, certain medical supplies um, because it believes the owner had hoarded and that owner will be paid its fair market value before the crisis uh, of COVID-19 arose. So uh, they, these are very powerful tools. The third 
executive order delegated to um, uh, the HHS and Homeland Security secretaries uh, authority to guarantee loans, uh, to make loans, and to create, maintain, expand, uh, protect, and restore domestic industrial capabilities to produce health and medical resources. This is another aspect of the Defense Production Act, uh, not only to prioritize orders for goods and services, but also to implement uh, uh, means by which to encourage uh, industry to uh, uh, expand its supply through loan guarantees or loans uh, or uh, other kinds of industrial capabilities. So these three executive orders fit squarely within the DPAS and the uh, Defense Production Act uh, scope. Excellent. Well, now, now as, as a contractor, what 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 would they expect to see out of all this? Because uh, there's certainly a lot of lot of stuff here uh, to think about. Contractors, uh, particularly in the uh, medical resource field, and uh, typical examples here would be. Uh, 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 personal protection equipment, sanitizers, disinfectants, ventilators. You hear a lot of talk about uh, uh, ramping up production uh, for ventilators. Um, contractors who are in that line of business uh, can expect to see rated orders being issued to them, which would uh, require them to advance those orders uh, in terms of production and delivery ahead of their other unrated or lower rated business uh, and uh, need to become quickly familiar uh, with the uh, regulatory scheme set out in the Department of Commerce regulations that I quoted. Uh, this is a uh, an area that um, uh, people will need to be educated on uh, fairly quickly, especially in terms of the mandatory acceptance, uh, mandatory rejection, and optional rejection grounds. Uh, they should be aware of what their uh, rights and responsibilities are under those uh, particular regulations. Uh, so I think uh, the short answer to your question is the number of companies are going to be seeing these rated orders and they have uh, obligations uh, imposed by virtue of those rated orders. So so do contractors have any choice to accept or reject a rated order or are they, they stuck with it? Well, that gets back to the uh, discussion that I was uh, mentioning earlier on uh, mandatory and uh, optional uh, uh, acceptance and rejection. So uh, the um, uh, grounds for uh, objecting or um, uh, accepting uh, uh, are few and far between. Mm -hmm. um, the There is a mandatory rejection if you simply cannot fill the order by the required date. Um, 
and uh, you have grounds for optional rejection uh, if you don't make the item or supply the service, uh, hence my example with you and the F-35. Right. Um, or, or if the person placing the order, the government or the higher uh, uh, tiered contractor, is unwilling to accept regularly established terms of sale or payment. Those, I think, are going to be the two uh, areas of um, uh, debate between uh, entities placing the orders and entities receiving the orders. Mm -hmm. Are these orders for goods and services that we uh, normally supply or provide? And uh, are you willing to accept regularly established terms of sale or payment? Uh, so those would be two areas that I would encourage contractors to be alert to when they receive their DX or DO rated orders. Very good. Um, great information, Steve. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Um, thank you. Thank you for your uh, uh, insight in all this. Uh, Steve, for everybody listening, you can find more about Steve's practice and on his firm's website, smithpactor.com. Uh, and certainly, Steve. Again, thanks. Um, any any closing comments at all, or we uh, did you pretty much wrap it all up? Well, I think that about covers it at the fifty thousand foot level. It's a pleasure yeah, always to be does. with you and with and with federal publications. Well, thanks, Steve. If you have topics you want us to discuss, discuss in a further podcast, send me a note at Todd at FedPubSeminars.com. We'll look at it. And until next time, stay safe, keep your distance, and read the FAR.